Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Five-second differential because the shot only goes to 15. Donovan's working holiday behind the back. Drives, gives it off to Rudy. Steps through, foul at the rim. 6.9 seconds left, and Rudy Gobert will go to the line. Here's Gobert's second free throw. Nice, pure. Rudy puts the Jazz up 106-104. Inbound to Ingram. Get him. Working the right side. Reddick comes to the ball. Ingram keeps it. Three for the win. Rattles out. Rebound. Jazz win it. 106-104. And so the NBA's restarted. The Jazz pick up a win. And Rudy Gobert, Gobert believes life, well, very mysterious, PK. Life works in mysterious ways. He scored the first points of the restart and got the game-winning free throws after a pass from Donovan. Donovan thought the whole thing was overblown. But Rudy, you know, he was on a separate, uh, separate interview line. So you never know what you're going to hear. Yeah, they were actually being Zoomed at the same time there during the post-game show. I, I, yeah, it's a story. I don't know that it's prophetic or po- poetic or whatever. People poetic was the it. word that was getting used, yeah. yeah. But it was it was a great play. I mean, the good thing about it is Mitchell made the right call, made the right read, and Rudy didn't have to gather himself. All his momentum was going to the basket because he had had one right before that, which he sort of fumbled. And here it was a great opportunity to do what he did and he obviously got fouled and he goes up there and calmly makes both free throws so it was a great win uh, that, a lot of stuff that happened in that game we'll get to it over the course of the morning obviously uh, I was impressed with the basketball the, the it was intense it was just like I anticipated both games were intense guys were competing as hard as they can which is all I've really really ever asked for as a fan is to have guys just ball out whatever particular sport they're playing, men, woman, it doesn't matter. And that's exactly what I saw. And, and the great thing about it is, uh, I was talking with Jay Scott last night, you know, I think the Jazz, at times they played very well, but overall, I think the best I could give them was a B-, minus. but they still won the game. And that's good when you don't play nearly as well as you're capable of playing, and you still win. And then also, I have to say, there was a lot of equality on that floor last night. Yeah? You're measuring it out? No, just reading the back of the jerseys. Oh. Mike Conley, I thought, got him going early, finished with 20 points, and Donovan Mitchell obviously scored the ball much better in the second half than he did in the first, but it's not surprising with Mitchell. We've seen a lot of games where he hasn't scored early, but he's been able to get it going in the fourth quarter, and and that happened again. And also, I thought, predictably, in the postgame, talking about that, Quinn Quinn got the defense pretty quickly. That 17-point fourth quarter... He loved that. <laughs> and they, they weren't defending anywhere close to that well. I mean, J.J. Redick was getting open threes in transition. It's, I don't know how quickly that comes up in a scouting report, but you got to assume that comes up pretty quickly. J.J. Redick cannot be allowed to shoot open threes in transition. But all that stuff stopped in the fourth quarter, and they only gave up 17 points, and were able to come back and win the game. Yeah, I think we've seen this a million times over. When your offense is flowing, that gives you more energy on defense. And that's what we saw when the Pelicans were playing at their best. I mean, it looked very easy there for stretches of the towards the end of the first quarter, second quarter, a little some in the third quarter, and they were flowing and they were rolling. Then things got tougher, and it seemed like the energy dropped a little bit there. 
And so they got contributions from guys like Ingram and Reddick that you said, and then they weren't, and they didn't. And they were having hard times, hard times getting energy on the other end. And Conley, yeah, Conley played, Conley played well enough. I mean, it really all that matters is you played uh, well enough to win the game as a team, and that's exactly what happened. So it's uh, an every-other-day rhythm for the most part. There'll be a back-to-back coming up. But Jazz are off today, and tomorrow it's the Thunder. It's an afternoon game, 1.30 on ESPN. The Zone's coverage begins at 12.30 with the pregame show. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Lakers will need to shoot. Here's LeBron. Leans in short. Gets it back and scores. The block off the front of the rim. And the Lakers lead it. 103-101 with 12.8 remaining. Lakers get the win in the Battle of L.A. and Orlando. 103-101. It's, uh, you know, the, these teams both, you got to figure it's a work in progress. I know they could see each other in the Western Conference Final, and they may well do that. But if that happens, it's going to be late September, and we're in late July right now. And they should, the Clippers, you know, should get some guys back. Guys should be more in the flow. Zubek did play, and Schmidt did play, and these guys have been gone. Uh, Beverly has been out, and he was back. Um... But, you know, Schmidt's going to have better nights than one for eight and oh for five. But at the end of the game, it's close, and LeBron makes a play. So isn't that what everybody came for, PK? Yeah, I don't think Schmidt's going to have better nights because I think Lou Williams is going to be there, and so he's going to be taking Schmidt's shots. Nothing against Schmidt. I mean, I love Schmidt. I've been a fan of Schmidt since Schmidt came into the league, and I'm not even sure what Schmidt's first name is, so that tells you how deeply uh, I'm Landry. Landry. <laughs> like Tom. Famous Landry's. Ready, go. Uh, that's all I got for you. But, okay. uh, yeah, they're, they're also missing Harold, too. Those are the two big guys mm-hmm. on the bench, not Schmidt. So, uh, the Clippers, they, they got to be fine with that. And they're, they're going to get their guys back in time when it matters the most. Although, I, I think that they, their spacing at the end of the game there on that last play was just awful. You had your two best players right next to each other. It allowed LeBron, LeBron basically, to guard both of them. <laughs> and, and George and Leonard. And so when Leonard was dribbling, uh, LeBron was on top of him, and then he passes off to George, and LeBron's right there. So they, they needed to get better spacing. LeBron was able to guard both of them, and they balled out. Uh, so for the first game back, I was entertained by that game. I mean, that's the thing about it. That's why I implore all NBA fans who are bothered by the kneeling to overlook that because of the fact that it's about basketball for me. These guys, I mean, they, they, it was, to, to, to me, and I know you probably don't want to touch it, but to me it was it was almost trite. It was predictable. I would found out two, three days earlier that's what they're going to do, and I knew the Jazz were working on a response. And so as soon as the uh, stuff came, the Jazz emailed out their response to the media. I mean, obviously they knew, and they, they were working on it for multiple days. The so, fact they were going to do it was bigger than the fact they did it, and you can see that in my social uh, media mentions. It isn't even remotely close. The video of them doing it got a lot less reaction than the news two days earlier that they were going to do it. That people spent a lot of emotion on. Although I, I think I got a, a ton actually on uh, the quotes of uh, Quinn Snyder. It was more than a singular game, and the quote from Donovan Mitchell that at the end of the day, Brianna Taylor's uh, killers are still free. I, I actually 
And I woke up this morning, there was a lot more than I anticipated. So, because I was mm-hmm. doing the post game and I was listening to the interviews, we yeah. play them on the post game, and I quoted them. And Spellcheck changed Brianna's name from the A to the O, so don't get on me on that. I didn't catch it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, I, I still think it, it, it generates a lot of emotion, uh, I think. Uh, and, to, and to me, right, it, do what you want to do. I mean, it, 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 like I, <clears throat> to me, if everybody's doing it, it's not so rebellious and so much of a protest anymore, actually. Six more games today. Both teams did the same thing at the start of their games. Everybody's lined up along the far sideline, and then the line basically went from uh, on one baseline to the other. It wasn't even just players and coaches. It was the whole organization. So we'll see what the teams do today, but there's six more games today. Rockets, Mavericks in primetime, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Celtics and Bucks at 4.30 on ESPN also. All right, uh, so... Anything else in the NBA catch your attention? Uh, John Morant said he thinks it's unfair that the padding the Grizzlies built between themselves and the closest playoff contenders could prove irrelevant. They could be in that two-game playoff series. Well, the season isn't over, though, so they didn't stop at 65 games. So the padding that you built was based on 65, right? Roughly. Roughly, yeah. And so they decided they are going to play more. I mean, you can argue the team at uh, what's sixty-five well, New Orleans, plus eight. You, you can say the Pelicans are going to say, "Hey, we could have run them down in eighty-two, but now right. we're only going to have seventy-three. Right. But see, that's yeah. And so they came up with this two-game series deal, this kind of a way to split the difference and right. create more TV product and more drama. And what, what is John Morant's twenty years old? Yeah. I mean, not to put down these guys because they're so young. I just don't expect 20, 21, 22 to just uh, expound such wisdom upon me. But you still want to hear from him. If he's got something to say, I've got no problem with him saying it. It, Well, he went on to say, but you know, we can't control that. Only thing we can control is how we go out and attack each of these games before that decision is made. Sure. And of course, what's he going to say? Hey, I'm really glad that they can now just get within four games of us. I mean, you know, you can't. You're not going to say that. Well, he doesn't have to say anything. I've never understood. Well, he's probably what's he asked going to say. Well, you were asked a question. You're going to say something. Uh, you don't need that. Okay, whatever. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Former Giants and Jaguars coach and executive Tom Coughlin fractured four ribs, punctured his lung, needs stitches in his head after a bike accident last weekend in Jacksonville, Florida. Left him hospitalized for a night. Coughlin said another person on a racing bike clipped the front of his bike, causing him to crash. He is 73. Went home before he went to the emergency room, but eventually got x-rays and CT scans. Bikes, PK. Turns out they're dangerous. Oh, yeah, it's not, not turned. It's nothing to joke about. I mean, I've literally known people who've been killed on bikes. Uh, those are facts. I mean, just in the last two weeks, the yep. last two weeks, I've known three people who've had serious injuries on bikes. Just, just from the last two weeks, that's it. I don't think I've known three. I think I've only known one. Well, Cla- but, Coughlin being one. Okay, Coughlin would be two. You're right. And I know two in my personal life yeah. that, uh, that it, and. Both of them were very, very serious. One is still is in the hospital right now as we speak. Yeah, absolutely. 
Predator running back LaShawn McCoy has agreed to a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Drew Rosenhaus, who represents McCoy, told ESPN he's very excited to play with established vets like Brady and Gronk and try to win another championship. So, line them up. The vets are all coming together for one last glorious run. Bills sent three sent their rookies home from the team's facility Thursday in response to five positive coronavirus tests this week. Former Utah star Zach Moss in the group who was sent home, but he wasn't named on the NFL's COVID-19 list as of yesterday. But I guess with five tests, they're going to be careful. They're going to clear the building and do the whole sanitizing thing. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. So we know the plans for the uh, Big Ten, and then it was the Pac-12 and the ACC. Now the SEC has said they're going 10 games, conference only. So BYU is going to have a game with Missouri. That's gone. BYU, uh, we thought, might reschedule a game there with Alabama to fill a void in the opening weekend, but that's not happening. And so you tweeted out they are going to win that game. Are you talking about Missouri or are you talking about Alabama? You got it, man. Both of them? No, I'm just having fun. I figured. Whatever you want, whatever your heart desires to the answer to be, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's malleable. It's pliable. I was just it's playing adaptable. around. I'm done with the controversial stuff on Twitter. It's not real. I'll leave that for, well, you, that's not your game either, but uh, I'll leave that for the other folks because no matter what you say, geez, I tweeted a line from The Godfather a couple of weeks ago and somebody responds with, a celebrity died today, and you're making a joke. I have no idea what he was referring to, or she. A celebrity I, dies every day. The but I was referring that to the Godfather that I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a line that has always struck me as uh, the profound. That's the essence of the movie. And so I tweeted that out, and I, I got lit up on, on how I was trying to be funny, and it isn't inappropriate in these times. I have no idea what that was about. None. So... If you're looking for hot takes and all that stuff out of Twitter, me personally, I'm not your guy. Listen to us. I've got no problem talking about it. But Twitter's a plaything for me, nothing more. I don't take it seriously. It's a pro- promotional uh, thing for me, nothing more. I don't take it seriously. There you go. I'm promoting something soon. Uh, the Big 12 canceled their media day. Too many questions, PK. Is there really a point in having a media day now? You're going to ask questions either don't want to be asked or can't possibly have answers for. So this is not the summer of media days. Well, then stop re- stop saying you're going to have it and just let it go. You scheduled you it and canceled it. in 28 hours. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. If you don't want it, then don't have it and we'll get by without it. Uh, doesn't make any sense to me as far as that goes. Uh, the questions... Once you decide what schedule you're going to play, I think you can have it because you're going to the COVID thing. You're just going to keep beating that into the ground, and you're going to get some 20-year-old kid uh, who is a defensive back asking him about that. Now you're going to get some questions about depth charts. Yeah, people want to talk football. Who's your we're starting sports, quarterback? We're a sports talk show. They want to hear us talk sports. You want uh, you want the other stuff? Go to the other stations. They'll give it to you. So have you heard anything on the Big 12? Because it seems like they're all falling in line. I assume the ACC is going to allow 10 plus 1. or Either they'll either they'll just play 10 or they're going to double back and announce the 10. I don't know which way it'll work out. But it seems like 
everyone's falling into line here, and I suspect it's really because everybody's lawyers have fallen into line. And if you're not going to play some non-conference games and you're not going to pay some people the big money that they are counting on, that they're bound to bring lawyers to go after, why not be really uniform and just say, we can't do it, we can't have the travel, we can't play the teams that... um, that don't test as much. We can't play those early September games because we can't practice in July and August and get the kids ready. And you just kind of line up all the answers and all the ducks in a row. For which conference? Well, for the three of the four so far have all done the same thing. So, and I think they're all looking at how do we not pay these schools the, you know, depending on the game, half million, million, in some cases, million and a half that they were going to pay about about the money. But it makes me think that the Big 12 is going to end up doing the same thing. Well, I'm far more concerned and interested about what the Mountain West is going to do than the Big 12. I thought you were interested because BYU was going to play Big 12 teams if they could. And they've got six spots to fill if they're going to play 12 games, which, you know, they may just be scheduling three or four and playing nine or ten at this point. I know, but you just told me that the Big 12 is going to do what the other conferences are doing. I think so they I sort are, but I wonder, if you've, I wonder if you've heard anything. You've told me I'm wrong before. thought you might right there. Oh, on this? Yeah. I haven't, oh, haven't, I haven't investigated yeah. on the Big 12. They're going to do what they what they do. And uh, I think that uh, as far as it relates to BYU, yeah, then they'll to, – to me, I think that the Mountain West is a little more interesting. And then they'll go from there, and then they'll have to go down to independence. I mean, it's, it's – well, it's trending that way, obviously, yeah. and, and then they'll uh, have to figure out what they're going to do relative to the independents. They're going to obviously have to travel there, so the the rules that would apply, not the rules, but the, re- the reasons as to why these conferences are doing what they're doing, uh, that would be as far as BYU is, you know, not traveling and what. Well, that's what BYU would have to do, have to travel these great distances and all these things mm-hmm. that guess that's what they're going to end up having to do. I'm hopeful that the Big 12 is interested. Maybe they can adopt BYU in the way that uh, Notre Dame has already been. Uh, they're, they're, they're a de facto member, so it was easy for them to be inclusive into the ACC. Adopting BYU would be a little bit different, but maybe there's a possibility there. Well, playing round robin would be nine games if they adopt BYU, figuring everybody's going to have multiple bye weeks and the season's going to be stretched out and conference title games are routinely getting pushed back a week or two. Uh, you know, 11 teams playing 10 games, maybe to do that. Um, I, 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 don't, I know there's been suggested that somebody could play a second time, you know, and that's how you could get the 10th game in the Big 12, but... I don't know who's going to be lining up to play Oklahoma. Hey, give us Oklahoma. Uh, we'll play Kansas a second time, please. Thank you. We'll then have Kansas play Oklahoma a second time. <laughs> now ESPN's on the line. Really? That again? No. Come on. Harvey Updike, the Alabama fan who poisoned the iconic trees at Auburn University's Tumor Corner, died of natural causes, according to his son. Pled guilty in 2013 of applying herbicide to the trees. And, of course, uh, the Alabama-Auburn rivalry already heated. That's always been used as the example of completely over the top. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. I can tell you that a lot of good faith effort was put into this by the owners, by the player reps, by the players themselves. So... I hope that this is just a temporary setback and that we can continue the season 
But again, the most important thing is the safety and the welfare of the players and of the personnel associated. That's obviously Dr. Anthony Fauci right there talking about everything that's happened since the Marlins had all their positive tests. But as we were talking about uh, yesterday, although some games are getting postponed, uh, most of the teams are not having those issues. And we, I haven't really heard the backstory on what happened with the Marlins, but I'm wondering if they did something that was just way outside the bounds. We know Major League Baseball has essentially hired hall monitors now to make sure the COVID rules are... Uh, are followed by the respective teams. It seems like they ought to be able to keep playing. And many games proceeded last night. Did you watch the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks? No, because I was watching. Basketball. And I saw it was 3-0 like in the second inning, and I thought, I'm not wasting my time on that. (laughs) A.J. Pollock, Corey Seager, Max Muncy all going deep for the Dodgers and their 6-3 6-3 win. Cleveland's Shane Bieber matches the Major League Baseball record for strikeouts in a pitcher's first two starts. Fan 13 twins struck out 14 against the Royals, so that's 27. I didn't know there was a two-game record, PK. And obviously, then I didn't know it was held by the legendary Carl Spooner, the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1954. Yeah, well, they can dig up anything in baseball for yeah. sure, yeah. But that was something that I saw that, uh, you know, that kid first time in Francona was talking about him. Uh, his first start uh, last week, and so now he's followed it up. And you know, maybe you got something. You never know with pitching, though. We've seen guys just come onto the scene and just be gangbusters, and then it ends after okay. a month or a year, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, Dwight Gooden was doing that at 19. And he had an okay career, but you would have thought it would have been more from based on his when he was 19. Mike Trout is on the uh, paternity list. His wife scheduled to give birth to the couple's first child. So uh, if you're on the paternity leave list, you get three days. You continue getting tested. And if he's asymptomatic and they're negative, he doesn't even have to quarantine coming back to the club the way they do in the NBA. He, He could be right back with them. So Angels will miss him a little bit, but get right back after it. Good news is another Jersey boy is about to be born. That'll be a California kid, though. No, Trout is not from California. I know, but he's in California, and he's growing up with all Trout's money. How is he going to be Jersey tough? Very easily, because that's where he's going to go back every year. (laughs) (laughs) He'll get the Jersey winner in the offseason. That'll be enough. I I can recall a couple years back, the All-Star game, and, you know, they extended it, gave another day, and Trout and Todd Frazier were flying out after the game. And they, they had uh, chartered a plane together, and they were interviewing Trout. So said, well, what are you going to do? Well, Todd Frazier and I are going back home. We're a couple of Jersey boys. <laughs> so the uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed to a new set of rules that will punish players and team personnel who steal signs electronically. Cow's out of the barn on this one, but we got a rule now, PK. It's going to fix everything. Yeah, it's called a fastball to the ribs. <laughs> What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with Tim Brando, Fox Sports National Sports Commentator on all things college football, the SEC decision, what he expects out of the Big 12, and for all these schedules, how many of these games do you think will actually be played? And if they do play... 
Are USC and Oregon really pulling away from the Pac-12 the way all the recruiting news seems to indicate? Or does he expect a battle? We'll get with that with Tim Brando next. David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz, coming up at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. George Niang with us from the Orlando bubble. Give us kind of the vibe of how everybody's feeling about getting back to basketball. What's the team vibe like? I think everybody's real excited. You know, we have a real chill way about us, but we're, you know, we're also extremely competitive. Nothing has really changed. Nobody's more happier than Jordan Clarkson on a day-to-day basis. I mean, that guy is running around, shooting the ball, smiling, laughing. Everyone's real excited to be back and playing basketball. And I think that's the most important thing, you know, from a basketball aspect is that guys are just excited that we have the opportunity to use our platform for what's going on in this country and to play the game that we love. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Tim Brando, Fox Sports, national sports commentator. He's on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Tim, good morning. Tim, good morning. All right, Yach will now experiment with the board and push many buttons. The rebuilt studio is betraying him, and he knows not why. I expected your Tim Brando impression right there, PK. Good morning, Dave. It's a terrible impression. It's morning, fellas, is what he normally does. See? I knew you'd know better than I. That's better than me, not better than I. There, now you got a grammar mistake out of me, too. We're rolling! (laughs) The essence of good radio. (laughs) Sorry, couldn't help myself. No, that's fine. Tee it up. Bam! Dodgers need a fourth homer. Hit another one. What the heck? <laughs> Daryl Strawberry just went deep. <laughs> Let's try it one more time. Tim, can you hear us? I can't hear him. I don't know. What Yach is frustrated. He just pounded the desk. He's going to break the new... Uh... Break the new control board in there. Sweet. All right, well, Yaka will work on that, and we will talk uh, college football with Tim Brando in a moment. We wanted to talk to him about the SEC announcing they're going to be playing 10 games, conference only. Obviously, the impact on BYU is they were hoping to schedule Alabama, and they had already scheduled Missouri. Yeah, they would have won that game. <laughs> this is a given. No doubt in my mind. Bring the Tigers in and take them down. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I would have won that game. <laughs> just, just keep throwing it out there. <laughs> All right, well, we were talking about in the last segment that the Big 12 was where uh, BYU was kind of hoping to pick up a lot of games, and now they've got, uh, I don't know, I, I guess you can say six games to pick up, but nobody seems to be playing 12. So I think they got four games to pick up, PK. Ten seems to be the new number. Makes so. sense. So pick up four games, which, given all the games the Big 12 has had scheduled and canceled, and I guess get some of them are the same weekend, so you only pick up one, but certainly the first three weeks of the season there'll be a Big 12 team available every week that needs a game. So, And they may be re- reworking their schedules here too, so there, there could be more than that. Let's pick up BYU for the interim and go with the 10 games. It's so simple and easy, man. Just do it. That'd be 11 teams, 10 games, round robin, away you go. 
And you know BYU is going to be clean and sober. That's just who they are. See? I see what yeah. you did there. Thanks for that. <laughs> So go in that direction, and then you're, and then everybody's set, and everybody can just move on and see if you can actually play the games. You have the framework for the season, whether the season is able to be uh, conducted and executed remains to be seen. But the framework would be there. It's simple and easy. It's a no-brainer. Just do that. Seems obvious, but and I hate to predict what's happening next. There've been so many curveballs, but it does seem like a a good fit. If you're going to be playing ten games over twelve or thirteen weeks, you know the odd number and everybody having to buy that that could be a problem in a quote unquote regular season, but right. not not in this one. You had a chance to rework it. BYU would have six games to get out of, uh, but possibly other conferences would want out. If if the Mountain West were to go conference only, that would be three games BYU wouldn't have to get out of because the Mountain West would have made that decision for them. Well, I think that BYU has written in the contracts as far as joining a conference, and that's exactly what they would be doing. So I don't know that the getting out of would is be easy. going to be any big deal because um, I would assume they've got some stipulations as far as if they join a conference. And so here's this opportunity. You would be joining a conference. It's uh, you know, a limited basis. But maybe if you look long-term, they can build some relationships and Absolutely. find those people out yep. there way out west. Uh, they're kind of kooky, but they're lovable. And uh, they can help you out a little bit, maybe, and, and go in that direction. It's a, it's, a, it's a sliver of potential positive news for the Cougars. I don't know that it'll end up being anything. I don't even know that it'll happen. But, but the concept is positive for the Cougars. We're going to try one more time. Yak says we're ready to go. He had soldering gun out in there. It was great. There were flames flying and everything. There was smoke. Plus, he was hitting stuff, so that was awesome. Tim Brando, Fox Sports National Commentator, join us right now on the T-Mobile special guest line. Tim, good morning. David, Patrick, good to be with both of you. Jake was working to open the hatch, right? <laughs> there it was. That's he, what he was doing. And he yeah. made it He made it happen. We're, we're grateful <laughs> to have you back on the show, Tim. Thanks for coming on. Uh, curious with the news of the SEC, how much that surprised you? Because it seemed like the ACC did the 10 plus 1 so they could play a bunch of in-state rivalry games, but the SEC didn't do it. And uh, curious what you thought of that and, and if you've heard anything about where the Big 12 is going. No, well, to be honest with you, Bob Bowlesby, yesterday, I thought I saw him uh, on my friend Paul Feinbaum's show, and he was on right before uh, Sankey. And I thought he tipped his hand a little bit. We'll see. Uh, at first, earlier in the week, I thought that uh, the Big 12 probably had everything in play, that they might um, that they might try to get 12 games in. If you noticed Oklahoma, Joe Costiglione, their athletic director, I think is one of the best in the business, uh, and Lincoln Riley, who I think through the pandemic era has been one of the coaches that has really shined brightly in terms of trying to be a leader, you know, the, looking at legitimately looking at a spring option and investigating the possibilities of it and all kinds of other things. But uh, I think to some extent with the moves made by the, 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 the ACC on Wednesday and then uh, yesterday uh, the SEC doing what they're doing, uh, I, I don't know that the Big 12 – uh, has an option other than uh, playing their their round robin schedule that they always play, and then a limited number of non conferences uh, that, that they want to play that their teams want to play in what would be a truncated season. Uh, but let's let's just for argument's sake say that they did try to play all twelve games. 
Well, the whole month of September, really in terms of big-time power conference football, would be theirs for the taking if they so chose. I mean, um, you know, we're talking about three weeks later for the SEC, a couple of weeks later uh, for the Big Ten and um, and the ACC. Uh, not just week zero, but week one, week two, week three are are, are open and an opportunity to to impress. So. Listen, I know that's not a priority. It shouldn't be a priority. Uh, the health and safety and well-being of the of the student athlete, as we like to be told uh, so often by so many that are in positions of power in college football, is what comes first. But the thing that we notice, and if you haven't noticed it, uh, as <laughs> then I think you've been asleep at the wheel, is um, we are lacking universal leadership in a very big way. All this collegiality that we were told, and I, listen, I've talked to commissioners and athletic directors for the last four and a half months, and every one of them said, gosh, Tim, the communication and transparency and collegiality has never been better. We're Zooming with one another. We're doing this. In the end, they all do what? Um, they all try to outsmart one another uh, and, 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 and see how much better their optics look than the other guy's optics. The decision by the ACC to play the additional game outside of their 10 conference games and really the the coup of getting Notre Dame, that was a coup, okay, because the Irish in 158 years of football have never played for a conference championship. They were only going to get to play six games with the decisions made by the Big Ten and the Pac-12, taking out, you know, virtually half of their schedule. And... Notre Dame now sharing its revenue from NBC with the ACC membership and vice versa. Boy, oh boy, to have the opportunity to keep those games with Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. These are bus ride games, fellas. These are bus ride games. These, These are games that are really easily played. And what happens here is the SEC says, oh, we're this... This is an opportunity for us to set, a, set that aside. We don't necessarily need that. We will play just conference games and forget those meaningful games. I'm telling you, there are athletic directors within the Southeastern Conference today that are not happy about losing those rivalry games in the neighboring conference. But the presidents of the institutions, in this case, I believe, drove the decision-making process. And they wanted to make it appear as though, you know what, and look, that's fine. With They may be right. They may absolutely be right. Let's allow the student body to come back on campus and intermingle with our players so that if there is a spike, it happens before we play. And we're, that, that's, that's telling the country that we really do care about the optics and about the, the, um, the circumstances of health and well-being and safety for our student-athletes. I, I get that. Okay, but in the end... Was it that much different than starting a week earlier and keeping those games in play? I don't think so. So, again, I just think that this is another indication of why we need a czar for college football. We need someone that will help these leaders, though I believe are well-intentioned, these commissioners that are well-intentioned, to do what's right and to do it in a unified manner. And... Um, Bowlesby said yesterday, well, it's we aspirationally, we never really wanted to do anything uh, as a group. Really? Why wouldn't it be your aspiration? Why wouldn't it be in the best interest of college football for you to send out the same message? That's the problem with college football. And um, it's a shame. It really is. But 
anyone that thinks that college football doesn't need a czar now, after what we've witnessed these last few weeks, they're asleep at the wheel. College football needs a major overhaul in the way that it conducts its business. Uh, and it's not the leaders necessarily, but it is the dysfunction of the infrastructure of the sport that they are managing that's in need of change. Massive change. So what is it? Is it about giving up power? Is that the issue? <laughs> well, I, would, you, would you say that the egos of those involved at these, at these schools that, are, that, are, that, that the commissioners serve – Listen, they serve at the, at the pleasure of the presidents of the universities, do they not? Right. Uh, those are the people they answer to. And, yeah, I, I don't think when you're talking about that kind of power, then I think, yeah, check your egos in at the front desk, and let's have someone with purview, okay, that's looking out for the best interest of the totality of the sport, not just your own constituencies. You know, when the ACC did what they did, they clearly opened the door for the Southeastern Conference to say, okay, well, unlike what the Big Ten did uh, and unlike what the Pac-12 did, we're going we're gonna to reach out and see if we can keep some unity here because of these longstanding rivalries. The currency of college football is what? It's tradition. It's history. And those games, Louisville, Kentucky, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, um, Clemson, South Carolina, those games mean a lot. I mean, they mean a lot to their to their to their their fans and to the history of of the fan bases of those schools for well over a century, and 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 it would have been so easy for the SEC to say, okay, we're starting September nineteenth, and we'll allow for those games to be played uh, down here in Louisiana, where I live. The Texas LSU game could have stayed in play. That's another. Well, it was a quick charter flight or a bus ride from Austin to to Baton Rouge. Um, you know, that's that's clearly what it is. What I'm saying to you is, you know, it didn't take a pandemic for me to know that this was a problem. But this pandemic, I think, has made it clear to everyone what I've been talking about for 15 years. We need we need someone with purview, somebody to not strip power from the commissioners. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about giving consultation and helping these guys coordinate the ideas of these highly intelligent, well-intentioned men and women. Okay, they need some of that. And um, it allows for the NCAA to stick its nose in where it doesn't belong. Now, you're going to be hearing all, all week now about the Board of Governors meeting uh, next week when uh, they'll decide on whether the non-revenue producing sports will have their fall championships. And like, like this is, this is going to be some impact. It, it, college football has not been <laughs> has not been a part of the NCAA's power base since 1984, and yet some of its leaders, mostly presidents, will say, "Well, <clears throat> let's 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 see how this looks from an optics standpoint." Uh, Mark Emmert uh, has done nothing as a leader of the NCAA to help from a substantive standpoint anything that's taken place in college football, but when it's about imagery. Or it's about, hey, look at me, here's what I'm doing. You know, he'll take advantage of that. Like yesterday, coming out and saying what he did with regard to the, um, uh, the allowance that the NCAA will make for players to take their names off the back of their jerseys and write something about social justice. Like, that's okay. Really? You really think that the presidents of the schools, the commissioners of the leagues, and more importantly, 
the programs of public universities, some private but mostly public, are going to be are going to be allowing necessarily these types of things to happen. And if they do, that's their choice. It's not the NCAA's. It doesn't fall into his category. But he does this, and it enables fans to believe that the NCAA actually has power. It hasn't. It hasn't had power since 1984. Look it up, Supreme Court lawsuit, universities of Georgia and Oklahoma. The NCAA has not had any governance other than infractions enforcement. They've done an awful job of that. And, oh, by the way, sanctioning bowl games that no one cares about. That's all they do. So why should they even be a factor? So, so America does not know who's it. America doesn't know who's in charge of college football because in terms of the sport nationally, no one is. It's painfully obvious no one is. So do you think they're actually going to be playing these 10-game seasons? Or are they setting up a schedule that is just isn't going to be possible to execute in the fall or the winter or possibly even the spring? And if they've, if they've got to push it back, is there anyone, could the commissioners get together and push the playoff back two months, put it after the Super Bowl so they have a little more time to finish this 10-game season, if, if that's even possible? I think anything is possible, and everything's on the table. Uh, as it relates to whether the games are going to be played, I, listen, in my view, I mean, I may not be a rocket scientist, but I don't believe that John Swafford, who has been a great commissioner for a long time in the ACC and is in his final year, would have worked so diligently with Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame for them to do something as historic as they did. I, I thought that was an unbelievable I mean, really historic story this week, what what they were able to pull off. Uh, and it may actually change the face and complexion of of uh, college football down the road. I, I, for one, believe Notre Dame, maybe not their fans, but certainly their players and their institution will see the light if they do get to play this, this schedule in the uh, ACC. Because if they go back to their normal eight-game schedule in coming years, Notre Dame could hold on to their games with Stanford and USC and Navy and, and maybe Michigan or Michigan State uh, with an 8-4 and four lineup that they have in that conference in the future. So I don't know that they go to that kind of trouble because that's, they're, they're jumping through hoops to make that happen. Uh, and there was a lot of give and take between both. So I think the intention is to play, very much so. Um, I know a lot of fans, and particularly some in the media, are like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about it because if they don't play, college football's losses from a physical standpoint will be so catastrophic that about 30% of Division I college football will be out of business. Out of business. The loss of the NCAA tournament last year, a loss of a complete college football season this year. And if you're a group of five or FCS school right now, you're scurrying just to find out how much money you can not lose. You're no, you know you're going to lose, but how, how can we find a way to lose less? That's what they're doing right now. Okay, they've been rendered, they've been kicked to the curb. The MAC, Conference USA, Mountain West, um, Sunbelt, all. They've all been kicked to the curb. And, um, you know, it may be in their best interest to go to the spring just to make sure that they uh, lose less money. And, and, and that's unfortunate, but it's these schools that are the Power Five structure that have put in place the college football playoff where they get a certain percentage of money and these money games that are out there. Does anybody, who's, who's thinking about them? And again, college football does not have 
universal leadership. If we had a czar or commissioner or consultant to these commissioners, someone could be looking out for the totality of the sport. And, and it's not there right now. I will tell you, I think in some form we'll have college football. My opinion, we will have a college football season. Obviously, it's not going to be scheduled the same. Obviously, it's not going to look or maybe even sound the same to some extent. But um, granted, we've got more concerns than just whether football is played. But if you're looking at it from a sports standpoint, unlike the NFL, unlike the MLB, unlike the NBA, there is no, there's no war chest to support the future of college football, if it's or college athletics for that matter. Okay, Title IX sports, non-revenue producing sports at the major college level, and uh, obviously, as I mentioned, those that fall into the category of Group of Five or FCS. If college football is not played, it will be the death nail to a lot of those schools. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes and all those opinions. Thanks for coming on and sharing. You bet. Anytime, fellas. Tim Brando, Fox Sports National Commentator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The fourth annual Ron McBride Love You Man silent auction is going on now. The auction includes autographed helmets and footballs from Utah, BYU, and the Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs, plus power tools, trips, and services of all kinds. Place your bid today at the Ron McBride Foundation.org. That site again, the Ron McBride Foundation.org. I just had Tim Brando on, and he is ready to reorganize college football, PK, but I think your question, my answer would have been shorter. Uh, no, they don't want to give up power, and that's why there's no czar. The, the conferences, I, you know, as much as this has irritated him, I think it's probably reinforced their view of why they need to have autonomy and run their own show so that they can do scheduling stuff like they've done. Yeah, but what's best for the sport in general? Because this is, I believe, the second most popular sport we've got, and I realize it's football. It's the same to an extent as NFL, but it is also separate. So if you're looking forward to having something to have any form of uniformity, I guess that's what he's talking about there. But I don't know that it's going to happen because they don't want to give up their own power. And uh, unlike the professional sports where they're together as they compete, College football doesn't view itself as together as they compete. It's more about competing against you, and if we get ours, well, sucks for you if you don't. Yep. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth, a lot of truth to that. All right, coming up, we're going to talk with uh, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. The Jazz winning the restart game, and it, it wasn't a great start, but they played better as it went along, and uh, guys definitely care, and we're definitely dialed in, PK. You could, you could feel the tension rising. Jake Edmonds was uh, in the Channel 2 studios. He and I were there, and he turned around in one of the timeouts in the middle of the fourth quarter and said, I missed this. And he grew up here, so he's got a certain level of you know, fandom. And he's working, he's standing there waiting to edit, and he's got his arms folded. He goes, I can't edit. I don't know how it's going to turn out yet. It's exactly what I expected. I expected these guys to be all in. This is what they said they were going to do and going to be. And this is exactly what we had. That's why, to me, if you were upset about the kneeling, all right, you have every right to be upset about the kneeling. But I got past that real quick. It's like it's, it was perfunctory that they had to do it. They, it. Can you imagine the social pressure of somebody who didn't do it? As Charles Barkley said, there's no need to vilify guys who 
don't want to kneel. But the reality is... Guys who don't kneel are going to get vilified. Yeah. After 27 people have kneeled, really, you're going to be the 28th and not? That That's where we are in today's world. It's unfortunate that uh, that's where we are uh, on, a, on a many levels. So all you left-wingers, don't, don't yell at me. And all you right-wingers, I'm not necessarily agreeing with you. But I'm just saying it's unfortunate that that's where we are as a society. But nevertheless, that's where we are. But I got past all that, man. And I actually enjoyed basketball. And it had been four-plus months since I enjoyed it. So I'm going to revel in it. I'm not a fan of any particular team, but I'm a fan of the game. I'm a fan of people competing, and that's exactly what I got. I got my money's worth, and I didn't pay a dime. couple of two-point games. We'll talk with David Locke about the restart next. Stay with us.